Hey everybody, this is Brett with Indie Comics Dispatch. On this week's episode, we welcome Ben O'Grady and Joe G. Schuster to the Dispatch, two creators fresh out of Scott Snyder's 21-22 inaugural comics writing class and part of Scott Snyder Presents Tales from the Cloakroom Anthology, currently on Kickstarter. I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor, Comics Wellspring. Comics Wellspring is the leading comic book maker. They print custom comic books on high-quality comic paper with a variety of binding and gloss options available. Check them out at comicswellspring.com. That's comics with an X, just like it should be. Also, have you thought about becoming a patron? You can become a patron for as little as $3 a month and get access to exclusive content, digital comic books from indie creators, and a lot more. You can sign up at patreon.com slash indie comics dispatch and help support a nonprofit news source for the indie comic community. Without any further ado, here's this week's episode of Broadcast from the Dispatch. Hey everyone, this is Brett with Indie Comics Dispatch and broadcasting from an undisclosed location deep within the Milky Way galaxy. This is Broadcast from the Dispatch. Hey, Brian. What's going on, Brett? How you doing, man? Much. Not much. Long time. Yeah. we. I was here last week. You ditched me. Um, and that's yeah. fine because you were yeah. with James, uh, Grandmaster Fax um, Boyce. Yeah. And so uh, you had probably a better time than hanging out with me. But that's you, you found me somehow, which is a little disappointing because I was trying to hide. But uh, yeah. You're a yeah. you're a hound dog, so uh, I'm back. I guess <laughs> you're back. <laughs> and uh, if you're out there watching, it hopefully it means you're back too. And um, take a moment, share the stream, share it to a group, share it to your profile, share it to wherever you want to share it to, because it really helps people find us, find new indie creators. I said something. Uh, I've been trying to workshop something. I need I need a, a editor's help, Brian, on this. Um, that we help fans connect with the great next title they don't know they love yet. Um, that was so, you do need an editor. Yeah, I do, I, right? And because so, that was painful. That. I was like, what? Um, and so we connect fans with titles, titles with fans, and and we want you to be a part of that. And we want other people to be a part of that too. So um, we'll, we want to we'll, connect you with the next great indie comics movement. Yeah. See. We'll, editing we'll, we'll workshop it that <laughs> yours was okay yours was okay yeah, I mean, <laughs> so speaking of, of of next great indie comics movements uh -huh. i hear that you have some really good news sir do i, I um i do i do and so i think i know what you're talking about hopefully we're playing off each other in the right way here um this week we, we've been talking about it for a little bit back and forth but this week um icd locked down our first corporate sponsor um, and I am super excited about Comics Wellspring joining the Indie Comics Dispatch family as a sponsor. Um, they're our first title sponsor. That's the highest level of corporate sponsor we have right now or available. Um, and so they went all in on the dispatch. They want to help us grow. They want to help get their word out to their to their um, fan base also about the dispatch, but also get the word out to our fan base about comics wellspring and we like them in particularly because they use the x in comics also um so you know they're on brand for us right right comics wellspring are really really great uh company really great guys i uh, do some short print runs through wingless comics uh with them i've always been satisfied they're always great customer service again just genuinely great people yeah. and, and ones that kind of pump up the community so obviously i think that kind of thing is is necessary and and awesome so exactly. congratulations to both. 
Yep. Yep. And it's just going to help us grow and help us keep going. And um, and they uh, will also be a title sponsor of the ICD awards when we do those this fall. Um, nice. So they'll be um, partially presented by uh, Comics Wellspring. So awesome. super awesome. excited to have them on board. If you don't know about them, look them up, follow them. They, they are always giving great tips, great, great um, ideas. They have contests. In fact, uh, last week, um, Dan Price was on the show and he his cover for Bigfoot Nose Karate won their cover contest because they had a Which cover was a contest. dope cover, man. That cover it was, was really was cool. excellent. And did you, you probably didn't miss, you probably missed the story behind it. Somebody just, he, that was originally fan art. Some, an artist just sent him that and he was like, okay, I'm going to have to pay you for this because I want to use this as a variant cover. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's dope. I had no idea. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Um, so if you want to send Brian and I our uh, message us for our, our addresses, everything. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> I want to win a contest too. Jesus. Right? <laughs> um, but speaking of sponsors, we also have this little thing called Patreon going on. And this week um, we got three new patrons and I'm so excited. Um, right before we went on the show last week, I think uh, Brandon DePillis, I know I'm not saying that right. I know I'm not saying it right, but Brandon became a patron. John Constant became a patron. And then this week, Thomas uh, from Paranoid American became a patron. You can become a patron too for as little as $3 and it really helps the dispatch. You get all sorts of great um, rewards and exclusive content. If you're a creator, those higher levels get you kind of guaranteed um coverage of your projects special invites to podcasts so take a look at it at patreon.com indie comics dispatch patreon.com indie comics dispatch as little as three dollars a month not a week a month that's less than a dollar a week you can become a patron of the dispatch and help us go grow bigger and further from Brian, 10 cents a day you can you help, can help you can help starving nerds in Atlanta and LA. Actually, no, none of that money goes to us. Actually, all it all because we're a five hundred one c three. It all goes in the organization, um, and so we we keep um, growing that way. Um, speaking of growing, uh, what's let's see how many hours we have left? Thirty nine hours left, Brian. Thirty nine hours, right? Right down to the grindstone, right? We're biting our nails. Uh, we've been doing really well. We jumped really hot out the gate for a Justice Number Three's campaign. Uh, that's obviously currently still on Kickstarter right now for another, what did we just say? 39 hours? 39 hours. 39 hours. So yeah, yeah. It's been really fun. It's been a wild ride. Um, yeah, I cannot thank everyone enough. Everyone who's pledged, uh, we're still growing, which is awesome. I always like this last minute push because it's like the end of a, like legitimately like the end of a race where you see that burst of speed from a, from a runner or whatever. So, um, it's always pretty fun and nerve wracking to see where it's going to end up ultimately and, and kind of what you can do with the community support and then the next project that you get to, uh, to, to produce. So thank you all again. 39 more hours, lots of time, all the time in the world uh, already. Um, you're going to get this comic pretty quickly. It's got some dope story in there. I call it the most controversial panel uh, in indie <laughs> comics today. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's a, uh, the heroes that we know and love are in hell, man. So uh, you got to see how they get, how they got there and what the story is behind that. So uh, again, thank you guys. Thank you, everyone. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 39 hours go back at um, some great levels there that you can back at some great rewards, um, great add ons. Um, so help that help that end strong. Um, before we introduce tonight's guests, I do want to, to mention one more thing. I mentioned Thomas from paranoid American earlier and um let me um, switch this up. Um, Thomas has a Kickstarter going on right now. I can't get it on screen, Thomas, because I just shared one thing. But I'm going to drop Thomas's link in the um, comment section. And um, it, he's got some really interesting stuff. I was talking a little bit about it before the show. Um, very, um, very pa paranoid American stuff, uh, which he's true to his name. Um, it's kind of like supernatural conspiracy theory type stuff. If you like stories like that. You're going to love his stuff. Um, his his current title is called The Chosen One, like the name because it's about a guy named Juan. Um, mm. So it's The Chosen One. Um, and it's it looks hilarious and good all at the same time. So be sure you check it out. Link is in the comment sections. Brian, you got anything else? Uh, I do want to say what's up to Crimson Owl Comics, who said what's up. And um, Alec, who said uh, he called Wingless the Goats, and I appreciate that. We are definitely trying uh, to be the greatest in our field, if nothing else. Not trying, doing. 
Um, hey, Yoda. <laughs> so tonight uh, we have uh, Ben O'Grady's been on the show before. We welcome we're going to welcome him back to the show. Um, he and his um, uh, teammate, I will call them, um, fellow artist, fellow creator Joe Schuster, um, not the creator of Superman. I'm just going to keep saying that, Joe. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I've always wanted to interview Joe Schuster, and so I finally get to. Um, sorry, it was a different Joe, though. Um, um, they took Scott Snyder's comic course. Um, they just finished. Um, well, they didn't just finish, but they just finished an anthology put together by the course, and that just launched on Kickstarter today. And so we welcome Ben and Joe to the show. Oh, that rhymed. I didn't even mean to. Hey, it's good to be back. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. So why don't we, we take a minute here and just kind of uh, uh, Ben and Joe, why don't Joe go first and tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up becoming a comic creator? Um, well, I've always been a fan of comics since I was a kid. And I mean, I've always been a creative. I, I make music. Um, so diving into comics was like sort of just always on my bucket list. So I saw that uh, Scott Snyder was hosting this comic writing class and I was like, you know, why not? I'm going to do this and I'm, I'm going to use everything I learned in this class and, and make a comic. Ben. Yeah. Uh, so I've been making indie comics for a couple of years now. Um, published one of my first indie comics in Tales from the Dispatch. Um, and you know, lifelong comics reader, uh, like I found comics, in the eighties with like Chris Claremont X-Men and new mutants. And I started reading like the original transformers, um, you know, GI Joe, like all that stuff that a, a kid just loves. Um, always wanted to write, you know, I, uh, have a master's degree in creative writing. Uh, I way back in the day, I originally thought I was going to be a prose writer, you know, and write short stories and maybe be a novelist. Uh, that never happened. Uh, and I always kept writing. Uh, I was in the sort of like freelance sports writing world for a while. I was writing niche articles for a long time, for about 10 years. Um, and that was fine. Um, but, you know, at some point in the last like four or five years, I wanted to get back to what I was really passionate about, which was comics. You know, I always had a bug to write comics. So uh, the like tools and platforms started to really be out there and prevalent to make comics, get them out there and um, do it not cheaply, but like do it much more efficiently than you could do it 20 years ago. You know, like 20 years ago, it was impossible to create comics. It would cost you tens of thousands of dollars. So I gave it a shot. I started making um, just really short comics um, just to try it, loved it, and then kept going. You know, I found Scott Snyder's class. I've been reading his comic books. And then he started posting that he was uh, hosting a class on Substack. So I joined it just like Joe. Uh, class is fantastic. Uh, you know, a lot of value there. And uh, probably maybe the best value in the class is that you meet uh, this huge community of other writers, right? There's dozens, if not hundreds, maybe over a thousand creatives in the community. So you can very easily find collaborators. You can find artists. You can find fellow writers if you want to run material by. Um, so it's, it's helped me tremendously, right? It's kind of like really like exploded my writing in the last like year. So that's kind of, kind of where I'm at now. Uh, and that's how I got into making comics. That's really cool. I was going to comment, but I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, that when I think all of us here and correct me if I'm wrong, but like the idea of creating a comic or meeting, even meeting somebody like Scott Snyder when we were kids and reading comic was just unfathomable, you know, like to, to make a comic, you had to have a publisher. Um, you didn't really back then because there was indie comics back then too. But the thought was you had to have a publisher to, to meet someone like Scott Snyder. You maybe got an autograph from him at a, at a convention. Um, but even those were few and far between. Um, and so just the way the technology and the internet has changed things is amazing that you us four people who from very different walks of life are all creators and and doing our own thing um because technology has advanced to the point that we can make our own dreams come true um and i think that's really cool yeah it feels like the internet has advanced all creative arts like any mm -hmm. creative person the internet is the ultimate tool 
except for analog phone designers. Um, they, are, they are out, but everybody else. Um, yeah, no. what, what's old is new, bro. So it's like, it's retro now. So even them. Well, that's true. Niche, man. They that's true. Um, but you're 100% right. Like, I mean, it's because you can connect with people who help um, push you. Um, if you're willing to be pushed as a creative, you can connect with people who are willing to push you um, and take you and help you get to that next level, um, which is one reason why I choose to create with Brian, because Brian, although he annoys the shit out of me sometimes, um, he, re fair. <laughs> he, he really pushes me to the next level. You don't really annoy the shit out of me, just a little I, annoyed. I, I annoy the shit out of myself. So, I mean, um, <laughs> it is what it is. So I was wondering, um, being that, again, we're talking about creatives, so... How difficult was or wasn't it to bring a bunch of people together to create like an anthology that even though the, the stories might not be the same, it's all kind of one thought process, one theme, one pattern. Uh, again, when, when you're talking about people who are in a class with Scott Snyder, right? Like, so that means these are driven people, you know, uh, in every sense of the word. So how how difficult or easy was that? And what was that process like? Um, well, when I first started taking the class, I immediately was like, I'm going to create my first comic here, but I, I'm going to butcher the quote, but like I read a quote that was like, you know, if you want to be good at something, surround yourself with people better. So my immediate thought was uh, my dogs want to be in the podcast too. excuse me. Um, my, my immediate thought was little chihuahuas. My immediate thought was that uh, I want to do like stories with other people. I want to get together and have a writing group. So it, I want to say it was fairly easy to get people involved. It was just like pitching it, you know, in the big discord. Um, the difficult part came later, like figuring out, okay, like we have people that want to do this anthology. So like, how do we do it? That was more difficult than, than actually getting people. That was fairly easy. So many people were like, yeah, I want to be part of this. Yeah, the interest and the enthusiasm to have everyone make uh, short comics and then put, put it together into an, an anthology was maybe the easiest part, you know, quote unquote, the easiest part. Um, but the actual nuts and bolts and the execution of an anthology, taking it from nothing, zero to ide from idea all the way through to Kickstarter to launching it on Kickstarter, which we did today. You know, that was very difficult, I thought, because the learning curve is so steep, you know, like um, very few of the creators in our group had ever done a Kickstarter before. You know, Joe and I had never been participating in Kickstarter other than backing. Um, so we had to ask a lot of questions. You know, we um, actually brought Drew Lenhardt in, um, who, you know, you guys know, uh, and he gave like an hour and a half uh, sort of Q&A session over Zoom. You know, he was very generous and we scheduled him and he came on and, you know, he's done a million Kickstarters and he's like a small press publisher. And we just asked him like every question you could think of, like from finances to how to set it up. How do you do the math for your campaign goals? How do you make a book? You know, how do you print it? Who do you use for a printer? Like everything. So, you know, that education was pretty tremendous, uh, you know, and but that's actually like one thing that Scott doesn't teach in his class. Like he really focuses on the writing aspect, storytelling. He focuses on storytelling, but if you want to make a comic as an indie comic creator, um, that's what our group really like dug into, you know, like how do you, we make our first comic and get it out there and publish it as a printed product. Uh, so huge learning curve, but you know, extremely rewarding, you know, and you guys know it's like a tremendous amount of work. Well, I was going to ask as part as part of that, like um, you've kind of already touched on it here, but there were so many first timers in this group who had never done anything before um, with, with actually making the comic. So what bumps did you hit along that road? What what was addressed by having someone like Drew from Snowy Works come in and, and address everybody? But, you know, was it tough getting this project finally off the ground with so many first timers or? Did y'all just kind of bumble along together and learn and grow? School of I hard think, knocks. Yeah, go ahead, I, Joe. I think it was a bit of school of hard knocks, but there are there it's like a happy blend of people where there was some uh, experience here and there. So like the gist was kind of understood and just like we were, thank God, able to execute, you know, for the stellar team that we have. Um, the, I, I would say that so so 
I had, this is my first time with all this. So my bumps in the road was like even finding an artist, you know, I had to, everyone pooled resources to figure out that, you know, there's those Facebook groups and the Reddits and these places where the artists are dwelling and looking for work. And so, and, and also even putting a cohesive story together, learning about that structure and especially in a short span. So if we have a six page maximum, all these fantastic ideas you have, you have to like really narrow it down to get it to six pages and to be like a good, you know, have the flow of the ups and downs of a full story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will say that was, I found, I continue to find that to be one of the most difficult parts of writing short comics is, you know, we set a, a maximum. We were like, this is a rule of six pages or less. No, no more than that to get into this book. And I find a six page comic to be very difficult to, write you know because it's very easy to come up with enough material to write 30 or 40 pages but then you have to edit it down to whatever really the message is still have a beginning middle and end within six pages tell a coherent story have an emotional arc uh because that's part of what scott teaches like he's all about the emotional component of the story first and then the plot second um so yeah, I mean that 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 stuff is not easy, you know. And to get twenty people to do that, to execute that um, at a certain quality level, and then put it all together and do the book and market it and publish it, like it was a lot of work. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So I wonder. I'm a. I mean, obviously a huge uh, Scott Snyder fan as well. Um, and I also come from a similar background, being of like having a, an English degree. So I wonder. And that's what I wondered about the class, which is not one of the reasons I didn't go in. Honestly, I just legitimately forgot. But um, how was that learning curve for you? Like you've done professional writing. You you have a master's in creative writing, right? So you're learning how to write from someone while already knowing how to write of a certain fashion. So how was that? How was learning that and molding what he was teaching you to your style? How was that? Wow, that's a great question. So I have so much experience in nonfiction writing these days because it's all in web content and sports writing. Uh, and my fiction writing is pretty like rusty. It's from you know graduate school like years and years ago. But I will say that the things that Scott teaches you, and obviously everyone knows he's a best-selling comic uh, author. Uh, he has a dozen books out right now, you know, that are extremely popular. Um, everything he's teaching you is like extremely, I think it's cutting edge, right? It's like, forget about your plot when you are making your story. The emotional component is the most important part. Map out the emotional arc of your main characters, and then you can graft whatever plot you need to that. That For me, that was mind-blowing. I had never thought of story in that way, and I took many hours of graduate classes in writing, and I never had a professor tell me that. You know, they never said it just like that. And that was in his first class. That's class number one. Wow. You know, and I was like, wow, like that's amazing. And I didn't really know how to do that. So that was one of my goals. You know, Joe was talking about one of his goals was making a comic, his first comic. One of my goals was to try that process, which was um, make the emotional story first and not worry about the plot so much and kind of like map map the plot later. Uh, and I found it to be very difficult. You know, it was like, it took me extra hours to sort of like wrap my head around that and just work through the writing process. Um, you know, in the end, I loved it. Like, I thought it was amazing. Now I think it's the only way to write, but, um, you know, it was not easy. Cause like before I'm so plot driven, it's like, okay, here's my story plot A through Z, just get the characters there. And then I'll just drop in some emotional and character nuance here and there. But I tried to come at it from a completely different direction with this story that I, I have in the anthology, you know? So yeah, it was different. I think he's cutting edge. Like I really do um, with the stuff that he's teaching. And, you know, he brings in like the top creators in the field. Like he had tiny, tiny in there, uh, Chip Zdarsky, um, Donny Cates, um, you know, and they come in to, um, have a discussion about one facet of writing. So it might be characterization, uh, three X structure. It could be about endings. It could be about bad guys. You know, he, he really gets into that kind of stuff. Uh, and he shows comics and he breaks it down like right there on the, the zoom screen with you. 
you know, and he's like, here's the first five pages of a Nightwing comic. Let's just walk through it, you know? And like, that's great. Like, you know, if you're really into like comics process and, and comics writing, like this is, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Well, you mentioned the guests there, and I was going to ask about this, and maybe Joe, you can talk about this. Some um, the the various guests that Scott brought in to teach you guys. What were some of the key takeaways you remember from some of those guests that weren't Scott? Um, and did did any of them ever contradict Scott in some of his lessons that he was te teaching? I wouldn't say there was any contradictions, more like, you know, adding on top of um, something that comes to mind as would be Greg Capullo's class, which I loved. It was one of the earlier ones. <clears throat> key, key takeaway being, again, for me, I'd never done this before, like that collaboration process with the artist who sees your words on paper and imagines it, you know, visually and uh, Greg and Scott's relationship, how it evolved and Scott talked about how it started and how they met and the project they were put on together. Uh, that, was, that was pretty eye-opening for me and, and got me personally pumped to find an artist to, to collaborate with. Mm. Very cool. Very yeah. Cool. And that was uh, Court of Owls. You know, that was like his mm -hmm. first Batman comic. So he had Greg on and they talked all about Court of Owls. They really broke it down and he showed the Court of Owls script that he wrote 12 years ago, whatever it was. And he's like, you know, this is what it looked like on paper. This is what it looked like in the printed form. And then Greg and they, they would like talk about it. Right. Like Greg was like, yeah, you know, you were like trying to overscript it and here and there. And they were like, there was a lot of ball busting going on because these guys are all friends. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, they really dug into like the comics and like they, they kind of like broke it down. It was like a really interesting process. That's really cool. And Court of Owls, my son actually has that poster on his wall in his room. Um, so the, as soon as I saw Greg Capullo was one of the guests, I was like, ah, oh, that's cool. That's probably, they probably talked about that. Um, yeah. So. They really mm -hmm. broke down Court of Owls. That's so cool. That's really fun. That's really fun. How much different did that script look? I'm a big script guy. I, I love, obviously, I love comics, right? But I'll... Brett knows, like, I'll read his script and I want to read his script more than I do the finished comic because for me, it's very visual, you know. Um, so how much different was the script as to what we got on the page uh, for something like Court of Owls? Do you want to take that one, Joe? Do you want me to? Oh, no, sure. Uh, so actually, what's interesting, that's a good question, is that when Scott wrote the original script to send to Greg, they didn't really know each other. Uh, so his script was incredibly descriptive, you know, down to pictures like Google images of what he means. This is what I mean when I say this, this type of building, everything. And, and Greg basically was like, I've been in this business a long time. Like, let me do my work. Like, you don't need to send me every little detail. Give me the gist. Let me do my thing. And, and so they developed that relationship over time of like, you know, basically Scott providing the bones and uh, Greg Capullo adding all the meat. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. 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 I thought that was interesting too. Like when you showed us the script on the Zoom call, it was, I mean, you could see that it was a script, but it was, there was paragraphs of text of descriptions of like each panel, almost like Marvel style, right? Where he would describe in like very detailed, like exactly what's happening, camera angles, this is what's in the scene. Um, and then, you know, he sent it to Greg, who he didn't know at the time. And, you know, eventually Greg was just like, look, man, you don't need to put all this stuff in your script. Like, I got this. Like, like I, I can just do all this stuff. Um, and so, like, Scott's script, from what I understand, has evolved pretty dramatically over time, right? Like, he's cut back, self-edited, and, you know, he's just allowed his collaborators to really, like, do their thing. So That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's interesting. If you're a comic, you know, script nerd, that Brian, like, I think you would love this kind of stuff. Okay. Like, he really gets into that stuff. That's awesome. That's dope. So, one more question about the 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 class itself. We may have more, but one more question that uh, comes to mind um, before maybe we switch to um, the 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 anthology a little bit more. Um, and I do want to shout out our patrons in just a minute too, because we are almost at the halfway mark of the show. Um, mm -hmm. But what, what is, if, if you had to reflect on maybe the most important takeaway that you would want to share with other indie creators specifically from the class, what would it be? For me, it was what Ben mentioned about the emotional arc. That was, I'm also like super plot driven, not a lot mm -hmm. of experience. So, uh, learning that 
forget about the plot. It's all about the emotion. That for me was the biggest takeaway I'll, I'll take. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the you know the top of the mountain. What he was teaching. Um, there, I'll tell one try to tell one story about like a story that he was telling or like one anecdote. So he had one example in one of the classes where he was kind of breaking down the movie Titanic, you know, the James Cameron movie. And he said, he kind of walked through like, this is, this is the emotional progression and the arc of the two main characters, Um, Jack and the female lady. I can't remember her name at the moment. Uh, He's like, you can have the entire story, the emotional story of Titanic, take place not on the boat. It can be somewhere else and none of the plot things can happen. And there's still a story there, right? There's still a romance there and a tragedy. But when you add all the Titanic plots, uh, ship hitting an iceberg, going down, uh, somebody dying, spoiler alert, <laughs> um, that enhances <laughs> all of those emotional moments, right? It vastly enhances it. You know, and I had never thought of it that way, like where you can just completely take the emotional story out and separate it and then you can put whatever plot you want to it. You know, when he gave that example of the Titanic, I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Like I'd never thought of it that way, you know, and there was like another example where he had some kind of he was showing some kind of Batman comic and he was talking about, you know, in this particular scene, I want this emotion to be conveyed and uh, there's like a, an action that happens. And the action was, I think Batman spit like kryptonite gum at Superman to make something happen. <laughs> He's like, if you think about it, kryptonite bubble gum is like super stupid. That's what he said. You know, he's like, but it, it doesn't matter. Like the emotion comes through in the scene. There's a weird piece of plot that happens and you just move on and it's comics and it's great. Everybody loves it. You know, so when you give that example, also, I was like, you can basically do anything. Like as long as you have the underlying emotional progression and the movement, the emotional movement, then um, it, you know, you can put whatever plot you want onto it. You know, you can make your story do anything. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I so do want that was also also my biggest takeaway. I love it. I can't believe you ruined Titanic for me. I know. Like, <laughs> right. I was going to say, we didn't do spoilers. No. <laughs> Just shut the pod down now. Just we're done. <laughs> Rose. Uh, Kate Winslet's character was Rose for anybody out there, like, dying to know. It came to me all of a sudden. Jack and Rose. Why. That's right. Yeah. And, and how dare you forget Kate Winslet? Yeah. <laughs> I knew Kate um, Winslet. I loved her in uh, Mayor of, I can't remember what the show was. Great HBO show. Great actress. <laughs> Um, I do want to take a moment and again, read it, shout out our patrons. Uh, we have 10 patrons and Alec Sorbello just increased his pledge. Thank you, Alec. We appreciate that. Um, he went up a tier and he didn't have to, but he did because he believes in Indie Comics Dispatch. Um, nice. Shout Paranoid- out to Universe. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas from uh, Paranoid American again. John Constant, Brandon DePillis. Brandon, you're going to have to message me and tell me how to pronounce your last name because I, I feel like I'm not getting it right. Um, Celeste Cornish, Dan Schmidt, Alex Sorbello, Jason again. I'm going to butcher your last name if I say it. Jason, uh, message me. Uh, Brandon Foster, Aaron Guzman, Brian Lambert, and Quentin Rushing. Thank you guys for keeping the dispatch going. Again, we want also want to shout out our title sponsor, Comics Wellspring. If you're looking for uh, merch for your Kickstarter, Kickstarter fulfillment, uh, comic book printing, they kind of do it all. And you can even set up an online store that they will fulfill your physical orders for you through. Um, and people can just go there, browse a large store of all different indie comics, select multiple different indie comics, and check out all at once. It's a really cool setup, and you should check it out. All right, Brian. So I'd like to ask, I think you can see me chomping at the bit, and I want to ask you guys before we transition into talking about the Kickstarter, for someone like myself or anybody out there who didn't join the class but is now incredibly interested in it, is there still time to join? Can we be part of the Substack? What, do you have that information? Do you guys know? Go ahead. Man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you can join tonight, uh, and I'm happy to plug this. Um, you know, I'll, I'll evangelize this class till I'm blue in the face, but you can join tonight. You can join a Substack, be a premium member. I believe it's seven bucks a month, or if you pay for the whole year, it's 70. So there's a little discount. Yeah. You get all of the previous class videos, which they record. Uh, so you can watch those anytime you want. He has a class tomorrow night on what not to do in comics, right? It's like the biggest mistakes you can make in comics. So, um, you can join the class live. 
listen to Scott talk. You can chat questions and they'll answer the questions. Uh, I think there's two or three classes left for this round. Um, you know, so you only get Scott live a couple times, uh, but you do get all the old videos. You know, I think the value is there. You'll get into the discord. Uh, so you can meet a thousand collaborators if you want and connect with people. Um, and yeah, you know, anytime you want, you can join. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. I, I recommend it. Perfect <laughs> time to join what not to do in comics. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Big I spending. mean, Rule one is going to be don't go on podcasts and talk about my class. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like Fight Club. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. You're just going to be staring at the Zoom camera, but you know he's staring into your soul. <laughs> yeah. And uh. he has a live Q&A with students, too, where you just go on Zoom and he just talks to you directly, right? You, oh, don't, cool. you don't just, like, chat a question. Like, he'll be like, oh, Ben, what's your question? Um, so he does a couple of those, you know, occasionally. So there's, you know, there's a lot of like cool stuff that happens in there. Very cool. Very cool. So, so you can still join. There's a couple more classes and I'm assuming kind of resets and it's all starts again from the beginning. Um, in, in what, a few months, three months or so. They haven't announced it, but we would assume the same time frame as the last one, which was end of August. Yeah. So if okay. they do a round two, it'll be like late summer. Very cool. Now we've already talked about this this anthology some at the beginning, but let's dig in a little deeper here. Um, Tales from the Cloak Room. I like the name, obviously. Um, uh, Tales from the Dispatch is similar, um, so it wins my heart immediately. I freaking love this cover. Tell me about this cover image here, um, because that your your Kickstarter image here is part of a one of the covers for it, um, and I love this cover. So tell me about this. Tell me about the artist. Yeah, Joe, you want to take that one? You got this. Okay. Uh, so the uh, image, the artwork is from Skylar Patridge. Uh, she is a DC artist, um, among other books. Uh, you know, fantastic artist. Um, we reached out to her and a couple of other uh, um, excellent artists, you know, sort of early in our process. And you know, there's four, four editors. So me and Joe and the two other editors, Aubrey and Chris, uh, we had a discussion and we said, you know, like, why don't we try to get some rad cover art? Like just reach out to some people and see what we can get. You know, all they can do is say no. So um, we reached out to a bunch of people. We did get some no's, but we got Skyler. Um, we got uh, another cover from Jesse Lonergan. He's an Eisner nominee. And um, so the image you're looking at here is Skyler's artwork with the um, logo on it. And uh, we have two covers that we're offering for the book. So this is cover A, and then we have cover B, which is Jesse's. So when you go to, if you know, you go to back it, you can choose either one of the covers. And there's cover number two. And just for if you're listening to this on the on the podcast, um, the, the cover, the first cover we were showing, the, my favorite here um, is a, a person with hands in their pockets, walking with like maybe a leather jacket on and a hoodie underneath. But you can't see the person; it's just this rainbow, translucent fog coming from the person, and just it's right up my alley. It's the type of stuff I like a lot. So go make sure you go check out their Kickstarter, if nothing else, just to see this artwork, but definitely to pledge also. Um, and then the second cover is a young woman walking um, and there's fish swimming around her as she walks down this this city um, street, it looks like. Um, so definitely go to the 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 Kickstarter page and check that out. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes also. So I noticed that there are um, quite a few stories in this and I know you guys limited limited it to six pages, but still six pages. 20 stories, it looks like here, 120 pages. That's a pretty thick book, and they look like they're pretty um, diverse. So what's your, for everybody out there interested, including myself, what's the main theme, or is there a main theme or a through line um, for these stories, for these tales? The main through line for the stories is simply a jacket. So Scott's, uh, Scott's, uh, publishing label his, mm -hmm. his sub stack is mm -hmm. uh has the word jacket in it our best jacket and so am i messing it up it's our uh, best, best jacket, jacket right? best, jacket, best press. jacket press it's best okay. jacket press so we took that and we made the jacket our connecting theme so really it's up to the writer to write whatever they're feeling as long as they have a jacket 
and it ended up being incredibly cohesive because of that. Nice. I love that. I love yeah. that. So for Tales of the Cloakroom, we we came up the way that we came up with the title was we brainstormed, you know, like a list of names. Some of them were kind of crazy. Um, Tales from the Cloakroom was the most popular, but what we did was we posted a poll in the Discord and said, "Here's different options. Um, every, you know, all the writers who are contributing to this." Uh, vote on it. And the one that you vote on the is the most popular. That's the title we're going to go with, right? So it was like community driven for the title. And Tales from the Cloakroom was by far the most popular. That's really cool. Nice. Um, I want to post up. Alec asked this um, question a little bit ago, but I was saving it because I was going to ask this question. He asked, anybody know where I can find a realism artist for, for something not so real? Um, and so that kind of bleeds into my question of how did everybody find an artist on this? How did you how did they match up with people? Um, what's that a seamless process? I know a lot of times, I mean, you know, Scott mentioned it working with Greg, like sometimes the process of writer and artist doesn't go as well as you would like. Um, so talk about that a little bit, that process of how to find where to find and the bumps in the road. Yeah, this one's you, Joe. <laughs> Uh, well, originally, I wanted to use an artist in Scott's class's Discord. There's a ton of artists. So I found one that I, I really liked, and I reached out, and they agreed to do the story for a few months. They agreed to do the story while I was writing it, and we were going back and forth. And then, unfortunately, last minute, they had to cancel due to other work. So I had to scramble, and thank God found, uh, I think, a dope artist on uh well i posted everywhere and this artist got back to me everywhere so oh wow like on mm -hmm. on every on the on the reddits that were you know artists looking for work and the facebook groups i just kind of posted my little synopsis and and a ton of artists reached out to me all really talented and um i linked up with the one that i did and i'm so i'm so happy about it there was it uh, honestly i I, uh, I don't feel like it's a that tough of a process it's just about doing the work and like mm -hmm. reaching out and connecting with people and talking and sort of like meshing and vibing. Yeah. For my artist, I was very fortunate with the gentleman I found. Um, his name is Massimo Italian artist. Uh, I was actually turned down by three artists, you know, lightly turned down. It was like email or a DM and they said, no, sorry, I'm busy. I can't do it. You know, something like that. Um, but Three artists, I really loved their work. I really was interested in working with them. They all couldn't do it. And then there was a writer in Scott's class, Adriano, who's kind of like best friends with Massimo. And so through Adriano, I found Max's portfolio and I looked through it and I was like, wow, this is incredible manga art. Uh, and that's what I wanted. I wanted like a manga style that was like really like cool looking and different from stuff that I had um, comics like I had made before. Um, so I, I just reached out to him. Um, he said, yes, you know, and, uh, we were off to the races. Um, he did all the line art and he was the colorist. Um, you know, I've never had that experience before. Usually I, um, you know, like I have just the line artists and then I have to hire a colorist to do the colors. Um, but Massimo is fantastic, you know, fantastic artist. And it was one of the best collaborations I've ever had. Like he was just really just a total pro. That's awesome. So, um, just to kind of surmise for people who may be looking for an artist, um, use your connections, use your connections with people you already have, but then also there's, there's groups, there's groups. And I think that, um, the Reddit groups, and you guys feel free to discuss this. The Reddit groups seem to be more hungry, uh, that like the more kind of people willing to respond with you and get you get back with you right away are on Reddit. That's just been my luck of seeing stuff. Um, but there's Facebook groups too. And there's some really great Facebook groups for finding an artist. And there's some really not great Facebook groups for finding mm -hmm. artists. Um, so make sure you, you again, use those connections to find out which groups are, be are best. Um, Brian, you have yeah. any, Brian, Brian's found tons of artists throughout the years. Do you have any, do you want to add anything to Alex's question about um, where to find an artist? Um, I actually think that Joe honestly had the answer that's like closest to my heart. It's just kind of, you kind of got to get out there and, um, I feel like uh, when you're looking for an artist, uh, it's, it's not the place to like let your ego get hurt. You should always have your ego, your writer. But if somebody tells you no, that's, that really doesn't have really much to do with you. Uh, it has more to do with the work, timing, you know, everything else. And so uh, you'll find what you want. But also, I've been very fortunate, um, as, as most people know, Justice has had his share of appearances now um, in comics. But I've been very fortunate that like I found Fabio. 
and cultivating that relationship. Once you get a good artist, that's the most important part. You got after you found that person that like, oh man, it works the way you communicate. Like you were saying, even Greg Capullo and, and, and Scott Snyder, right? Like they had to learn how to work together. But like once they did, amazing, you know, you get an amazing comic. Uh, so I think that that's the most important part of of after you find someone cultivating that relationship because it really shouldn't be just a one-to-one -one transaction. Otherwise, your comic is going to reflect that. It's going to reflect that like, uh, we're just both doing it for the money. We don't really talk. We don't really communicate. They kind of gave me what I wanted, but maybe they didn't. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I try to keep in touch with the artist I've worked in, in the past for, you know, just touch base. This is like, hey, happy birthday. Or, hey, I love this cover that you colored uh, that was published. It had nothing to do with me. I just, he just posted it. Uh, so doing things like that, like in building your network and cultivating it, like you said, is extremely important. Uh, one thing I will say about finding new artists is they're often not available immediately. So if you're looking to make a comic right now that has to be like you have a deadline in two months, that could be pretty tough. But, you know, always ask the artist like, hey, what's your schedule like for the next 12 months? Like, do you have a, a slot open, do you think, in six months? And note that um, because that could open a lot of doors. You know, mm -hmm. like you might be able to find an artist in six months who you really want to work with and just have your script ready to go then and just kind of keep that in the back burner. I, I've been finding that that is happening a lot more with people I want to work with. Very cool. And I, I've heard it. I don't know this. And so you guys can, Ben and, and Brian, for sure, can correct this, that if you kind of plan in advance like that and kind of find an artist you want and ask to fit them in when they don't have as much work, um, sometimes you get a better rate, too, because you're filling their gaps in their schedule. Uh, I will say that um, a lot of times as writers, you're, you're also the producer, right? You're the one fronting the money to get an artist. This is, that's just the nature of the indie comics game. So anytime that you can work with someone, you know what I mean? And work around what they're already doing, they're always going to treat you better. So yeah, you can occasionally get better rates. Um, but also you have to offer better rates. I've been in the situation of, Hey, you know, I'm going to be busy and I'm like, well, I need it, you know, now. So I'm going to offer you, you know, an additional 25% of what your rate is in order to get it done. There are very few people that are going to turn that down if they have the skill or the ability. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of, in my opinion, there are a lot of ways you can kind of work um, in and out of these confines that we have, being that for a lot of us, this, you know, isn't our primary job, but for them, it might be for your artist, it might be. Um, sure. There are a lot of things you can definitely, you know, ease in and out of uh to really make it happen and an artist that wants to work with you is going to make the time and vice versa right like if you really want to work with an artist you're going to schedule like like ben said you're going to schedule six months away like, i really want to work with this guy so hey in six months you know it, it, it's all it's all a it's all a handshake man it's all it really is a team effort yeah i try to err on the side of generosity when it comes to paying page rates you know like for, like you're saying, a lot of artists, this is their primary job. I have a day job, you know, so writing comics is not my primary job. Um, you know, but like if an artist is like, hey, man, you know, this is the page rate like that I'm looking for. I'm like, OK, you know, let's do it. I'll, yeah. I'll figure out the budget. Yeah, I'm the same. I don't think that it's OK. You can choose to not pay a rate if you don't believe that that the art is worth it or you don't have it or whatever. I don't think it's right to haggle people down. Um, because again, we are talking about people's livelihood yeah. and I, as a writer and I've taken paid gigs and obviously been, you know, you've taken paid gigs. You don't want somebody haggling your word countdown or, or haggling your price down as well. So if they set the rate and it's acceptable, pay it. If it's not acceptable, then it's cool. Then both you guys walk away. But I, I don't, I don't appreciate, and I don't think it's right when producers of any sort try to haggle an artist down so they can get that quality work and not pay that quality rate. Right. I think that's such a great point. And I think that's a, a life lesson that I've learned in my life. Like it, it's not just with creative collaboration, it, like a haircut. Are you going to pay a barber to give you a haircut? If you have, are you going to be like, oh, well, I only want to pay 10 bucks. Is that barber going to give you a good haircut? I always think about that. Same with the artists. Like if you're going to haggle an artist down there, maybe they'll say like, yeah, whatever, I'll do it. I like the story, but it's not like they're going to give their full rate effort or even like Brian, you said, offering them more like, hey, I got a tight deadline. I'm a firm believer in that. It's always served me well. I, I never haggle down because people are just not going to put, I wouldn't put in the effort. Would, would anyone, you know, if someone haggled you down like that? Yeah. 
And if somebody wants to work with you too, like you can be honest and be like, I'm sorry, I can't pay that rate. And they, they might choose to come back with, well, what rate can you pay? And then that's on them. Right. And mm -hmm. so you may still end up working with a great artist, but be honest that you can't pay their rate that you'd love to work with them. And they're worth every penny of their rate, but you just can't pay it. It really is that, that there's a huge, well, I don't know if it's huge right now anymore, but there was a kind of large debate about that on TikTok. Like what, you know, What's your page rate versus what's your budget? Like that mm -hmm. conversation. And in any kind of entertainment art, it's important. Okay, hey, what's your rate? Well, what's your budget? If I'm working for Jay-Z, I'm not gonna tell Jay-Z my rate is, is hey man, it's $25 a page. I'm like, nah, it's $3,000 per, you know what I mean? Like every, we're gonna all go up. And so you yeah. kind of gotta meter some of that out. And like Brett mm -hmm. said, uh, if you're saying like, oh, hey, I can't pay that. I've had artists say, well, hey, what's your budget? Mm -hmm. Hey, my budget is this. Okay, hey, I can give you 20 pages at this rate, can you match that? You know what I mean? So there, I feel like if the if the negotiation comes from the other side of someone who wants to work with you, but still needs to make enough money to put food on their table, I feel like that's, you know, that's completely acceptable. And it does engender that good relationship because maybe they're like, hey, man, all right, I'm going to take a pay cut this time. But if we make, make 10K on this book, you know, can I have a, you know, are we going to up the pay for the next one? That kind of, there's always some wiggle room again, within reason, but mm -hmm. it, it goes with relationships, I think, and, and communication. Mm -hmm. So uh, where do you two go from here? You, uh, Scott's uh, class is ending soon. What's next on y'all's horizon? I'm going to keep creating. Go yeah, I'm going to keep, keep writing comics and, uh, put them out myself as best as I can work with other collaborators um, and, and just see where this road takes me ride the wave. Love it. Yeah. So second half of the year, I want to work on two different projects. I'll start with the first one, uh, which is going to be, I think four issue limited series. So there'll be standard length comics, 20 to 22 pages. Um, it's kind of like a near future sci-fi action. Um, <laughs> we, we were talking so much about, you know, emotional journeys earlier, but like the thing that I have in mind is going to be like pure action. It's like an adrenaline fiesta. Probably won't have that much <laughs> emotional component to it. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, so that I want to work on that. So, you know, everything I've made up into this point has been short comics, eight pages or less, 10 pages or less. Uh, I want to try my hand at like a standard length comic and like a series and then try to pitch it around to some like kind of smaller, medium sized publishers and just take it from there. And then I also have a young adult graphic novel idea, fantasy graphic novel idea I want to work on. That will probably come after this initial um, the limited series I just mentioned. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm going to pop up the Kickstarter one more time here. Um, we've dropped the link in the chat um, of, of both Facebook and YouTube. So check that out. We'll put in the show notes of the podcast also. Um, take us through the the um, Kickstarter here. And again, this this I saw this piece of art earlier and loved it. Um, it's just so cool. If, you, if you're listening on the podcast, it's reminiscent of John Cusack with the um, boom box over his head um but Say anything, right yeah um and and but he's being attacked by what i assume are zombies or aliens or something yeah um, it's say anything versus space zombies that's the way i think about it <laughs> zombie aliens yep exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i love it i love it and this is a part of three different art prints you can get um and um, so you can get both the cover images plus this image. Yeah, just um, real quick, I do want to uh, identify the artist on that. So yeah. that's Sebastian Perez. Uh, I believe he's located in Argentina. Amazing artist. Um, and he's getting pretty busy. Like uh, he's getting pretty sought after, I think. Uh, you know, he's published in Heavy Metal and Mad Cave and Comixology and a couple other places. So his art is fantastic. That's really cool. Um, so that that's part of a set of three art prints you can get as part of the um, as part of the campaign. And then you guys have a limited run of copies signed by Scott Snyder. Yep. Um, yeah, what what our, level is that at? That's our ultra premium tier, 125 bucks. Uh, so it's we have only 50 available. Um, so Scott will sign it. And um, yeah, you have a Scott a signed 
uh, anthology, one of 50, uh, you know, a bit of a collectible, I think. Um, mm -hmm. So 125 bucks is kind of pricey, but, you know, so is flying to San Diego or Washington State to have them signed in in person. So if you Very look at good it that point. way, fair enough, right? If you look at it that way, it's not so bad. I'm definitely <laughs> getting one of those. Like, I want one of those. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And then um, you go down on the page and you can read little um, bits about each story that's featured in the in the um, anthology. Um, it identifies the writer, the artist, the colorist, the letterer, all, all the creative team. Um, and there's some just really cool stories here. Um, and then again, on the campaign page, you can get a preview of some of the some of the pages and then go down more. And eventually it goes into the the team that um, was put together, I believe. Right. Yeah, the team. There it is. You can see everything about the team that went into putting this anthology together. What else? What else do you want people to know about this project before we wrap things up this evening? Uh, Joe, do you want to mention like the different genres we have, different story types? Yeah, I think I think the fact that it's so many genres, uh, so many different people from so many different walks of life, unique mm -hmm. perspectives. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think this usually happens. This is sort of like a needle in a haystack almost of of uh, anthology, in my opinion. Yep. So we do have um, artists and writers from all over the globe. You know, they're not just U.S. based, so they're all over the place. Um, uh, I think there's eight different genres. So it's everything from like sci-fi, horror, Western, slice of life, uh, thriller, like Joe's is kind of a spy thriller. Um, there's a there's a mech short comic <laughs> if, if you like mechs. Uh, who doesn't right um so there's there's like really like just a lot of interesting stuff going on in there um you know high emotional component to all the stories that's what like you know the whole class is about um and you know we're very proud of the fact that it's a very inclusive um group very inclusive anthology like all the creators are from all walks of life like joe was saying um all over the globe so yeah it's it's you know it's it's been it's been an awesome project and um i think it's a really like special group of creatives that came together to make this thing you're gonna awesome. hit every emotion you're gonna laugh you're gonna cry <laughs> you're gonna be like oh you know i can't believe it you know it's gonna happen <laughs> i love it i love it brian you got anything to add no you know what i'm honestly like i'm kind of like side-eying it because i'm like all right as soon as we get off here i'm just going to join this <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, you guys you won't regret and, it and uh i'm looking forward to the content from the book myself man I'm, I'm looking forward to it that's awesome thank you for having us thank you guys for being here if somebody wants to join the Substack, like brian they go to the Substack, and what do they search to find they could, i'm sure they could just search scott snyder but you said also a favorite uh favorite jacket what was it our best jacket but no, you can just jacket. search scott snyder it's already okay. here i did it really quickly because cool. <laughs> i i'm serious about joining yeah. Uh, so we have a, um, a vanity URL. So talesfromthecloakroom.com will take you to the Kickstarter if you need that to remember. Um, or you can go to Twitter at Cloakroom Comics, and then obviously the link will be in there. Uh, or you can just do a Google search on Scott Snyder Kickstarter, and I'm sure it'll pop up. So yeah. we're out there. Awesome. Very good. Well, and I think it we looks got, amazing. I think we got three backers while we're on the podcast, Joe. So for the three mm -hmm. people who signed up live, thank you for supporting us. We, we love really you. Do. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Very good. Well, again, guys, you can find this Kickstarter by searching uh, Scott Snyder on Kickstarter, searching Cloakroom on Kickstarter, searching Tales from the Cloakroom. You can... Any combination, I assure you, will bring this up. We'll also have it in the comments section of YouTube and Facebook, and then also in the show notes on the podcast version of this broadcast. Um, I do want to mention again at the end of the show here, um, we have 10 patrons right now. We would love to have 11 or 12. Um, so you can sign up to become a patron at patreon.com slash indie comics dispatch. That's comics with an X. Um, just like the best way to spell it is again, huge <laughs> shout out to our sponsor, uh, comics wellspring again, representing the X, um, so many indie creators wouldn't be able to do what they do without comics wellspring and the services they provide. If you don't know about them, look them up. They're amazing. Um, and Brian, we'll be back in two weeks, um, June 28th, and we're still lining up guests for that show, but I think we have a hopefully pretty good idea of who that's going to be. Uh, we just have to confirm with them. Um, and I will also get to hate many things once I get back 
uh, Brian hates yeah. everything will return for uh, a segment on why Superman is actually not a good guy nor a hero. I'm so done. I be quit prepared. this podcast. Be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Everybody, we will see you back in two weeks. Joe, Ben, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, Ben, I just do also want to give you a quick shout out. Uh, ben, Ben's not an official member of the ICD team, but I think we need to change that soon. Uh, Ben's written several articles that always get good hits um, on them and are very informative for for um, for creators. He has another one coming uh, very soon. That's I think is going to be phenomenal for creators. He's also helped out a ton with our SEO, giving us tips to get uh, Indie Comics Dispatch ranking higher. And uh, so thank you, Ben, for all that you've poured into Indie Comics Dispatch, uh, including some things that I don't want to say on air yet, um, but that we can hopefully um, talk about very soon. So yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. You know, I always enjoy speaking with you guys. And you know, like, ICD is like my favorite comics website. What can I, what can I say? <laughs> so you're the one. Awesome. No, <laughs> no, everybody. See you next week. Uh, Joe, Ben, thank you guys again. We'll see you guys. later. Thank you. Thanks guys. Have a good one. Why are you still listening? It's the end of the podcast, but since you listened to the whole thing, since you're still here at the end, as this podcast ends, as you exit out of the episode, why don't you give us a rating? And if you're not following or subscribing to us yet, Go ahead and do that too. As I said at the beginning of the show, it helps a lot and you'll be doing the dispatch a big favor.